there's two ways about building a company. It's telling the people what to do, for example, build a ship or making them long for the sea. And building culture is about, you know, helping people connect to the dream of the sea. Then people can operate very independently and very fast, and you don't need to be involved at micro level at any given time. But culture is not something that is built. It's a process of building all the time. So at any given time, you need to focus on this and talk about it and build it into the systems of the company. Welcome to the EdTech Founders podcast from EdTech Garage. In this podcast, we interview passionate founders and key players supporting early stage EdTech founders from across Europe. Hello to everyone listening across Europe and on the globe. I'm Frank Albert Coates, the founder of EdTech Garage, and we're back with episode six in our second season of the EdTech Founders podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Thomas Helge, who is the founder of Society Lab, a Norwegian digital learning agency that helps increase an organization's ability to lead transformation. We talk about why it's still crucial to focus on learning to support transformation in companies, what the actual competitor of corporate learning is, how to build a culture that lasts, and why it is important to sleep at night as a founder, and lots more. Stay tuned for the interview. Hello, everyone, and we are back with a new EdTech Founders podcast today, and we're delighted to have Thomas with us from Society Lab. Hi, Thomas. How are you? I am fine, Frank, and thank you so much for inviting me onto this exciting podcast. Uh, we really support it and uh, really honored to be able to, to take part in it uh, as well. That's great to hear, Thomas. Uh, and we'll just dive straight into it uh, with a question on why you ended up in EdTech and uh, why you started up Society Lab. Yeah, so uh, thanks for asking. Um, I do have a background uh, that is split in two. I've been a consultant for a number of, a number of years, and we also uh, have been working with driving various initiatives when it comes to education, training young leaders in order to become innovators, transforming their industries and so on. We kind of uh, felt a little bit stuck at a certain point because uh, at the one hand, being a consultant, uh, we felt that we gave a lot of sound advices uh, to uh, big players uh, about what's coming, what's around the bend that they needed to pay attention to, uh, that they needed to strengthen their muscles when it came to transformation and also be ready for what's uh, around the bend. Uh, at the same time, we also got a little bit frustrated with the school we were running because we did it very well. We experimented a lot with uh, how to teach uh, people, but we didn't scale it very well. So at a certain uh, point in time, we sat down, took uh, a step back and actually uh, concluded some of the venture we had been part of and said, okay, if we were to do this with the black papers in front of us, how should the education of tomorrow look like when it comes to helping companies 
understand what's uh, around the bend for them, prepare for that future, build the competency and capacity to actually build uh, for tomorrow. And then we start Society Lab as this uh, sandbox of understanding how we could capture opportunities within the learning organization, uh, the learning revolution and help companies become uh, learning organizations that adapt to the environment that is constantly changing. Because we did see very fast that um, the level of change around them outpaced the level of learning. And we set out and said, how can we help companies, you know, learn as fast as the change uh, that is going around them uh, is going. Uh, so that's uh, what we want to focus on in Society Lab. And yeah, we're uh, really hopeful that our contribution will be a great one. Excellent. And just to reflect on the couple of years since you started the company, have you seen a change in how uh, your clients' uh, needs have evolved and, and how you have to adapt to that? I think there's two answers to that. Uh, still the immaturity when it comes to understanding that they need to get out of the hamster wheel and actually balance focusing on uh, the day-to-day -day business and what's around the bend, that's still still kind of immature. And that's a constant struggle, you know, management being so occupied with just delivering on what's on their plate today. But what has matured, which is the second part of the equation is, uh, of course, COVID helped tremendously. I think yeah, all ed tech companies will, will say that. But uh, we started off doing pilots and, you know, testing before uh, COVID came around. So we were kind of early movers on that. And there's so many stories, you know, how confused the customer were when was to learn digitally. We had like clients and groups and leaders saying like, this uh, digital setup is great, but can we actually just sit in the classroom and uh, digest the digital content together? Because, you know, we want to learn the way we did and we're just like, well, that kind of doesn't make sense at all. You know, we try to make this, you know, not something you need to do at a certain time together with others, but, you know, have the flexibility. That's the strength of this. So I definitely think there has happened a lot. And uh, of course, our clients now, they don't want to move back to the way, you know, we used to work with them as like physical workshops all the time and them coming unprepared and what's not. So definitely we are in the beginning of the learning and revolution. But uh, customers, they are getting now used to working and experimenting with digital learning in quite a different way. And very hopeful for that. For sure, for sure. And to uh, go a bit back to, to the company, uh, could you say something more about the stage you're at right now, sort of in terms of funding, evolution of the company? Yeah, so uh, we're actually now in the thick of testing out various uh, hypotheses when it comes to our business model and our take on uh, the essential uh, deliverance of our business and um, verifying the product market fit. And we have selected a range of pilots to test different hypotheses and uh, heading now towards seed funding in late uh, Q2, uh, early Q3. And until now we've been self-financed and uh, we are one of the odd ones out. We've been cash positive from day one because uh, our pilots, is, there's been a, a, a willingness to actually uh, pay for the services uh, when they're getting it and they, they value it very much. So, so we're able to get quite a lot of income to balance you know, our spending. But now we want to uh, really ramp it up and get more speed. And then we need more hands involved. And that's where we are now. 
I guess you were in a fortunate situation compared to many many startups who uh, who are uh, more challenged with the current climate. And have you have you sort of seen that on the client side as well that it's been harder to to get clients uh, given this uh, uh, new economic climate? Well, I think it's a great uh, question, Frank. And we've been pondering this, uh, of course. Norway, a lot of uh, the, the people we talk with that uh, work in, in different regions, uh, Norway's maybe been a little bit protected, uh, that's one. Uh, second, we've seen a lot of studies uh, around Norway, but also abroad that uh, seed investment, we've talked about the investment side for a second, uh, in uh, seed investment hasn't been hit as hard as later stages and bigger stages. And when it comes to our client uh, uh, or, or uh, customers that we're talking to, potential and also um, existing clients, there's always two sides to a situation that we are in now. It's like now everyone just uh, wants to focus on their um, core, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the business as its very uh, as its essence. But we also experience that a lot of our cli uh, clients now are saying that more than ever, we need to understand what's around the band. We haven't really been hit hard at all. Uh, I think it's rather the opposite that more clients are getting more curious because they see this is a need. The changes that goes around that goes on around them will not disappear. Uh, it's cascading, you know, and then they need to invest uh, also. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And um just talking a bit about the landscape, what do you see as your sort of comp competitors in this space and, and why? Well, uh, to be a little bit tongue in cheek on such a question, as I think our competitive number one is business as usual. You know, that's what we compete against. So it's in action, it's status quo, it's the hamster wheel. That is our biggest competitor. So when we're talking about potential uh, with uh, potential new clients of us, they're so stuck, you know, in their uh, current way of doing business and so preoccupied with focusing on that. So we see that as maybe the main competitor to what we're trying to do. And of course, we try to be uh, a little bit conscious of that, not pursuing clients that are too stuck in the hamster wheel, but that has a little bit of an extra power to uh, become the market leader or to lean into the future and has established some kind of foundation that is solid, both financially, but also organizational. So uh, we try to, to segment our market and go after uh, potential collaborators that has a specific profile. Apart from that, we do think that a lot of um, the clients we're uh, talking to, they have been used to going to consultants when looking for the answers that we are providing. And we're trying to help them understand that when you go to consultants, you get a lot of good advice. Of course, a lot of great consultants out there. But very often, we also do find that uh, the consultants giving advice that are kind of you know, foreign language, and, and it's not a part of the understanding in the organization. So the consultants usually bring a, a, around great answers like the fish, but we're trying to help the clients fish, you know, and through our pilots, we have really seen that this is a humongous strength that when the organization themselves build the capacity to handle transformation, innovation, getting the answers themselves, when implementing, it's way stronger because it's invented here. It's something that they own themselves. So uh, consultants uh, are a kind of competitor because 
they either spend the money there or they see that why not build this understanding, this capacity, this competency within our own organization? Because then we don't need to buy the fish every time. We can fish many places and we can get the fish ourselves. So that's what we want to do. Apart from that, of course, there's a lot of interesting edtech players that we uh, are inspired by and we're in awe of. There's a lot of them. There's a revolution going on. Velomis in Finland is really, really exciting what they're doing. Sauna Labs in Sweden. And also big players like Microsoft Viva Learn, you know, when they plug in, you know, they get all of the like the content providers uh, linked into uh, the uh, the entire Microsoft ecosystem. You know, that's going to be a force as well as LinkedIn Learn and so on. So there's a lot of uh, things we're inspired for, for uh, from, but also trying to get inspiration from elsewhere, you know, uh, not just within this industry, but trying to find out how has other players been approaching the problems that we are trying to solve uh, that maybe things a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, to, to create a, a, a fish academy, uh, <laughs> yes. how to how to go fishing. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it, it will stick it will stick with me now, but it's much easier to understand and it makes sense. And if we go a bit back to uh, the team um, yeah. and the company, so like, how did you find the how did you find the team? How did you put that together? Well, uh, of course, uh, the team is the key to succeeding or not to succeed. Of course, uh, me and the other co-founder has been working together for a long time, so that is a kind of strength because we know each other's weaknesses and strengths, and we have that kind of trust uh, as a foundation. But of course, if you've been working with people for a long time, you also need to fill in new understanding and challenge, you know, the intuitive understanding maybe two people has uh, developed over years. So we also found people uh, uh, from other works of the spectrum uh, that we're talking about EdTech. Uh, we filled in, um, we wanted to have an international profile because we wanted to, to be uh, an international company from day one. So we sourced in a third partner from UK, uh, Tom Savigar, great uh, profile, great contributor. And he had been running a big agency in the UK called um, Future Laboratories for a number of years. So uh, he tapped into the entire like what's around the bend thinking, also uh, been involved with clients around the globe, uh, the A players. So very, very good. And of course, we needed to also get uh, the hands on deck when it came to actually building our product. And therefore, we sourced uh, a CPO. Uh, we got that through recruitment. Also wanted to do rec uh, recruit internationally there. So we got one from Atlanta, US, much more tech background than, uh, than, than I and the other uh, founding uh, partner. And we also uh, pulled in a CCO, a, a head of content that I've been known for a number of years, uh, but also challenge our assumption all the time. So in some, we try to uh, balance, you know, and have diversity when it comes to uh, gender, but also when it comes to what you bring to the table, the diversity of uh, ideas, background, you know, uh, and have people that uh, feel secure to challenge at all times. Because one of our values, uh, uh, we have four, we have a trust, we have passion, but we also have a radical and deliver impact. And the radicalness you don't get if you just uh, pull together people that are just the same. So we are very conscious of building a team that know, knows each other, has the trust, you know, has the passion, but also has the radicalness to challenge the assumption and all the time, you know, push the envelope, which we find very, very important. Mm. And on that, 
the question is why will you succeed and what's your secret sauce and maybe that's a part of it already yeah it is so um we were part of uh, a network just last week sitting down with a lot of startups in norway and there was not a roundtable conversation what's the pressures these days it's of course one of them is regarding funding, you know, uh, but the other pain that, or there were two pains that mo more or less all the different startups were talking about as their problem number one and two is that, A, it's so hard to build a culture, you know, that people, you know, fill into. And number two, it's so hard to establish the North Star or the story about what we actually want to fulfill and get people uh, uh, invested in that kind of journey. Since we've been working background-wise so much as consultant, I've been building a number of businesses before, we were very adamant and very early in establishing a very strong culture, focusing on the values, focusing on behavior, focusing on getting to know each other, securing this kind of environment where people want to work and bring their passion in front of them at all times and, and, and giving them the opportunity to grow and to thrive and also spending a lot of time in together uh, understanding the vision and let everybody contribute to it. So I think we will succeed because we have established a really good foundation, both when it comes to culture and also direction. But apart from that, uh, of course, there is also uh, USP when it comes to the business. And I think what we bring to the table maybe in the ed tech space is that a lot of the great competitors in our environment they have a lot of great content uh, our clients when they come to us they say we really like you uh, out of two uh, uh, reasons point one you're you're helping us to really assess and prioritize what's the most important areas to upskill in and build capacity towards uh, so we don't just spend a lot of time learning but we're learning in order to realize strategy and of course, uh, uh, when we can streamline, you know, and uh, really get them to get the learning, that is just what they need. That's a big strength and not just doing a lot of learning, but very like uh, focused learning. And the other thing they s usually say is that you guys have understood how to build culture uh, and a culture for learning, culture for innovation. So the understanding of how to build culture, not a lot of uh, people uh, know how to do that. And uh, we have done it for 25 years. Uh, so I think that is also a part of our secret sauce, uh, helping, uh, of course, strategically upskill uh, through like uh, an assessment that prioritize uh, what to focus on and then actually helping them build the capacity to uh, uh, manage tomorrow as well as today. Mm. Absolutely. And looking back, at uh, the last year since you started the company what's been your biggest challenge and how have you sold it well uh, as a startup you you do that every day you know uh, you commit to a problem and uh, then you tell yourself that we need to crack that problem and then when you kind of cracked it as we feel we have we know that the solution we hold at hand today is just a temporary one you know we want to create at all times a better solution to the problem maybe the the two most important ones that uh the bigger more high level ones has been for us to crack how to assess to understand uh how to uh, make the companies we work with future proof turning those kind of assessment into targeted training plans 
how to do that. You know, in concept or in theory, it's easy to say, yeah, we do some assessment in order to future-proof a company, and then we turn that into training plans. But actually cracking that and finding a solution for how to do this today and then tomorrow and how we want to do it initially, that uh, when we succeeded on the first couple of levels and uh, doing that, we were very, very happy in playing it out and seeing that it worked. Uh, ongoing uh, one is, of course, recruiting, uh, getting the right people on board, uh, training them, developing them into great contributors that are not afraid of challenging, you know, uh, the co-founders that uh, me being uh, one of them having so much passion for this, you know, and so many uh, opinions about things, you know, building a team that gets room to challenge and develop and contributing. I think those are the maybe the two uh, most important ones. Mm. Since you've been on the journey, have there been any specific resources or things that have really helped you to to build a company? Yeah, so maybe not resources as in like a product or services, but what has really helped us along the way is at all times being open for having conversation. And especially one of my co-founders, he's just tremendous finding interesting people or companies, calling them and say, can we have a meeting, presenting our thoughts, getting input, getting feedback using that feedback to strengthen our understanding. So at all times, reaching out, uh, we are also, of course, established an advisory board. Uh, we have uh, people around us that we talk to uh, on a regular basis, but also going to uh, people that we find doing really interesting stuff and picking their brains and letting them challenge us. So I think the greatest resources are experts out there, people, great people that maybe are uh, approaching things in a different manner that are the odd ones out uh, and listening to them and letting them really step on whatever you've been thinking and like tearing it apart and, you know, feeling really vulnerable and then still thanking them for it. this really helped, you know. I think uh, that that has maybe been the most uh, helpful uh, resources along the way. Mm. And just related to that, I, when looking through your your profile, you've been part of this program, Chaos Pilot, um, uh, a while back as a part of your education. How much do you think that sort of r radical, different type of, of thinking has shaped, you know, what what you're doing now and what you have done? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm quite sure that we wouldn't have been doing what we're doing today if I hadn't had that kind of training because it was so radical when I took it. Now it's like 20 years, 25 years back, but it was very radical uh, when it started off and it was quite unlike any other uh, education. And what maybe one of the key takeaways that we also want to bring into society lab, that is learning is much more about a mindset than actually, you know, learning specific topics because this school they didn't have a clue of what they were teaching when it came to topics you know uh, the topic understanding was kind of weak but they were really radical in understanding that we need to let these students just be thrown out into the deep end of the pool so we were just sent off to san francisco find a project save the world and we were going like but we cannot do that you know and they said sure you can and then you start learning to uh, swim and you after a while uh, actually start to appreciate it you know uh, being thrown out into the deep end and then gets into mindset that 
I cannot sit around and just wait for people to give me whatever I need. I need to go out there and get it, learn it, get inspired, you know. And so all the school initiatives that I've been a part of and all the training I've been a part of, we've been really like adamant focusing on that. We shouldn't just give people whatever they need because then we'll just be the receivers. So we have always been very uh, explicit about that. If you're going to be part of our journey, uh, it's a co-journey, it's co-created. You need to take it, not receive it. You need to create it, not just be a part of it. Although that was 25 years ago, I think that's more relevant now than ever. Because we all need to become lifelong learners. And then you, you need to look out for that yourself. You need to become a learner. Uh, and that's maybe the... The most important thing I got from that education, which is also influencing society lab to this very day. Mm. Completely agree. Completely agree. And when you look forwards in the next months and year, uh, what's keeping you up at night? Well, I think first of all, it's very important as a startup, you know, a leader of a startup CEO to sleep very well at night. So I do. <laughs> and you, you, you do that through, you know, being able to switch very well between intensive passion being on at all times, but also have ways to switch off. And I think that's very, very important to sleep well and being, being able to switch off. And some people do that through, you know, meditation, through running, what's not. I, I do a lot of different stuff in order to sleep well. But that was not really the question. But I think that's an important one for staying on, you know, in a startup, a startup and enjoying it and having, you know, the surplus to give passion to people around you as well. But uh, when it comes to what we need to handle in the next six to 12 months, what's critical for us now is getting the tech lead, our tech lead on board. So we have desperately been seeking that for a little while. We're getting a much closer now, and I'm quite confident we will be able to lead it, uh, to, to land it. But that's, that, that's priority to number one, two, and three. I get from my co-founders and our board. I'm in charge of landing that now. And the other one is, of course, uh, landing uh, uh, the right investor at the right time and with the right terms. So we're not just going to get invested, but we uh, want to go get the right lead investor in that fits our company, fits our vision, wants to do the same things than we, that we do. So that will be a very important one also moving onwards. Exciting things ahead. And is there any specific advice that you would give to other edtech startups that are just getting off the ground? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, looking back now, I think, see that we could have been moving, of course, much faster if you knew now uh, than what we knew now or we know now. I think what really sped up uh, everything quite a lot was when we onboarded our first pilot because we had been spending quite a lot of time conceptualizing what we wanted to do but as soon as we onboarded a big pilot a lot of people into our solution then we needed to find those answers that we kind of been um, going around you know just talking ourselves around it but when we needed to deliver a solution you know what do we do on monday and tuesday and you know so that really sped up everything and there was so much learning involved and still we're learning every day from our pilot clients. So get out there, get pilots on board. As soon as you're ready, you will learn so fast and you will get the right input and feedback that will help you, you know, speed up your own learning. 
Second one is, of course, starting building culture from day one. Uh, that is what will make you or break you. A lot of people just tend to um, not focusing on it, you know, because the business is the most important one. But cultural, culture, building culture is business. It's, it's what really uh, will make you succeed at the end of the day. And of course, maybe the last one uh, is getting that unified belief in the vision of the company. Everyone at Society Lab are committed to a greater purpose. We want to uh, fast track the, the sc uh, scaling of tomorrow's economy that is sustainable. And uh, people that work in the team, they have in their belly a burning desire to help realize that vision. Uh, and we all do. So we do the business, you know, we handle all the bits and pieces of the everyday work. But at the end of the day, it's the burning passion in the stomach to actually uh, make a difference when it comes to what what we need to succeed within in the economy of tomorrow and maybe the last one uh frank is of course to become a member of edtech or ash sooner rather than later <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for that thank you for that I, I wanted just to dig into the culture piece so we we had uh, so matteo from sick learn in the last uh, episode also talk about how important culture was for uh, his company. How do you build culture? Like, what do you do actually? To to make it very simplistic, we needed to agree upon some cornerstones of wh why we are here. And there's uh, there's a set of things that needs to be in place. Of course, there needs to be a vision that you really never compromise on a direction and north star that defines what is okay and what is not okay to focus on. And then there should also be in place some values that defines the border of how are we handling uh, our everyday decisions and how we're going about our business. So those things should be defined. And, and we, of course, there's other aspects as well you need to define as a part of a culture. But when you do that right, you don't need to tell people at every given uh, time what to do or what, what not to do. You fail in the context and of course there's two ways about building a company it's telling the people what to do for example build a ship or making them long for the sea and building culture is about you know helping people connect to the dream of the sea and culture does that really well and then you have defined you know what's okay and what's not okay then people can operate very independently and very fast and you don't need to be involved at micro level at any given time but culture is not something that is built. It's a process of, of building all the time. So at any given time, you need to focus on this and talk about it and build it into the systems of the company. You need to build it into how you uh, assess uh, the people in the company. When you onboard people, it should be very clear what's the values, what's the vision, what we're all here about. So you need to build it in to every aspect of your business and you need to follow up on it. And there needs to actually also be consequences if you don't follow it, you know. That doesn't mean that people are fired if they don't follow it. But if it's just like less affair that everything goes, then you don't have a culture. Then you just have a culture on paper. So as a leader, you need to guard those things all the time and you need to talk about it, sometimes informally. And sometimes you need to put it into the structures that you ha you're having. And whenever we have offsites, when we talk about strategy or develop new stuff, we always have segments when we go into the 
values, when we go into how we now are connecting with our visions, all these things need to be a part of the agenda and need to be revisited and also matured and developed. So it's it's a very important thing that always needs to be there and needs to be a part of every day and also the strategic discussions. Mm. And we'll send all the startup founders your direction to do a culture <laughs> bootcamp. <laughs> we can plug them into society lab yeah, thank you, get a treat. Mm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anything else that you want to share? Yes. Uh, if anyone out there has an amazing tech lead that wants to revolutionize the way we're learning and you know how uh, fast track tomorrow's economy, holler out. Okay, we'll make a note of that and distribute it across the ecosystem. Thank you so much, Thomas. It's been um, a delight to have you uh, on the show. Thank you so much, Frank, for having me. It's been a, been a blast. Thanks for listening to the EdTech Founders podcast from EdTech Garage. Find further episodes and more about the EdTech Garage network on edtechgarage.org.